For those of you who don't know, because there are some people in this room that I do not know. Hi, my name is Nathan. Um, hi, thank you very much for the reciprocation. Um, I'm really excited about today. I'm always really excited. It's a, there's a little bit of a running joke that every time, actually, it's not even a running joke, but I'll make it a running joke. Every time I get up and preach, I always say, I'm very excited about today. Has anyone ever noticed that? That's a regular catalyst attendance. <laughs> I, um, I just love to talk and I, I genuinely, like I love to talk, but I, I love to talk about God and his heart for us and just about Jesus because I love Jesus. You know, when we, when we become consumed with something, we can't help but talk about it. I, I love, I'm a Collingwood supporter. Woo-hoo! Yes. Yes. And yes, there's, there's a couple of us. We are, um, we are very few in the, body, in the body of Catalyst. It's not a bad thing. You know, I think it says in the Bible somewhere where two or three are gathered, God is there. Something like that. So, you know, I just believe in faith that Collingwood's going to win the grand final next year because me and Oz are praying for it. Um, but when you're consumed by something, see, I, for me, I'm a Collingwood fan. I've been a Collingwood fan since I can remember. I remember being a five-year-old boy crying because Collingwood lost to Brisbane in the grand final in 2003. Um, and ever since I can remember, I've been obsessed in a, in a, in a non-godly obsession way about Collingwood. Um, and so I always talk about Collingwood. I will talk about my support for the team. I will talk about my love for the team. I will talk about my, my dislike about things that we do when we, you know, when we sign new free agents and all that kind of thing. I, I'm just passionate about Collingwood. And so I always want to talk about Collingwood. And, and, I, and I think like, it's the same with God. Like if we're passionate about God, we should always want to be talking about God. In every circumstance in our lives, in every scenario, I, I, I want to get to the point where I'm so consumed by His Spirit, where I'm so consumed with His love for me that I can't hesitate but to talk about God. Where, where, where the words that come out of my mouth are not words that are my own, but they're words that are his. They're words that are his. If you want to grab your Bible, and if you want to open your Bibles, we're going to be jumping around a little bit today. Um, So if you want to open to Proverbs 18, verse 21, and you want to stick a finger in there, Proverbs 18, verse 21. And then if you want to put a finger as well in Matthew chapter 16, And then if you also want to put a finger in John chapter 10, three passages for all those with iPhones, you got caught out, making it difficult. I actually, I felt really convicted by the Lord the other day because I've noticed a trend where I'm, I'm starting to, because of the, because of the easiness of technology, I'm, I'm starting to less and less take this everywhere with me. And it, the, I was just chatting with God the other day and God was like, Nath, like, where's your Bible? I'm like, it's on my phone, God. And he's like, where's your Bible? I'm like, it's on my phone. He's like, where's your Bible? At home, on my desk, collecting dust. And uh, I remember he, he was just like to me, he's like, hey, like, this is the, the living, breathing word of God. This is his word in the flesh. And uh, we should have it with us. And it's great that we can have it with us on our phone and there's no condemnation or shame for those of you that have it on their phone this morning. But just for me personally, I've really been, 
um, wanting to position myself in a way where I can hear God speak if he's speaking to me, but I also can read God speaking to me. And I want to be, I I, I be reading this at multiple points throughout the day. Because a, a part of becoming consumed with something is you have to learn about something. And a part about wanting to always speak the speak about it, you know, I, I speak about Collingwood a lot because I read about Collingwood a lot. I read news articles, I read stats, I watch games. Even just the other day, I turned on the replay of the 2010 grand final to re-watch it because that's how much I love Collingwood. And I wanted to talk about it with friends. But how often do we do that with the Word of God? How often do we sit down? How often do we take it with us everywhere? How often do we chew? How often do we bite down? How often do we devour what's in here? And so if you're at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, there we go. We're just going to read one verse in Proverbs chapter 18. And it's a verse that you all will probably know. You could all probably quote quote it with your eyes closed. You could tell me what it is. You could probably tell me what it's about. But it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. I'll read it one more time. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat of its fruit. Today, I want to talk to you about words. I want to talk to you about, uh, I've titled it, Words Matter. And, and I really, why are you laughing? Just laughing? Me and Dan were having a conversation about this on Sunday night last week. And it was, it was a really great conversation. But I want to talk to you about words matter. I really felt like God put it on my heart to share this with you today because of the weight and the, the responsibility, the good weight and the good responsibility that we have for those of you who, who are going on Southern Cross Kids Camp, but for also those of us who are going into 2020. I, I really felt like the Lord is inviting us, inviting me to share and inviting us as the body of Christ, whether you call Catalyst home or you call another church home, to actually become intentional with the words that we say, to become consumed with Jesus, to become consumed with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, so that everything that flows out of our mouths brings life. You know, in Revelation chapter 19, there's this imagery that John paints about the second coming of Jesus. And what he paints is this imagery of the Lord who's riding out on a horse coming down from heaven with a host of angels' armies behind him, and his robe is covered in blood, and out of his mouth is a double-edged sword. Out of his mouth is a double-edged sword. And I think that the, the verse here in Proverbs where it says, the death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who, who eat it, those who love it will eat its fruit. It, the image that I see when I think of that verse is the verse in, in Revelation chapter 19, where, where Christ is riding down out of heaven and he has the, the sword coming out of his mouth. Uh, the sword coming out of his mouth the power to bring life and death out of his mouth. And you know, it, we, are, we are made in the image of God. We're made in the image of Christ. And those who have accepted him as their Lord and Savior, we are on a journey of becoming more and more like him. So then what's coming out of our mouth? A sword is coming out of our mouth. Out. We have the power to speak life and death. It's in the power of our tongue. And so if you want to turn to Matthew 16, I want to I'm going to preach to you two different, uh, two, from two different stories, two different parts to my message. If you want to turn to, to, turn to Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to read from verse 13 onwards. This first story, I really felt like God uh, wanted to, to show us this morning the power of who he says we are, the life that comes out of his mouth, 
and then also the possibility of what we can have being in him and being of him. In chapter 16, verse 13 in Matthew, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you hold on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on heaven will also or sorry, whatever you loose on earth will also be loosed in heaven. The power of Jesus' words to Peter there completely changes the course of his life, completely shifts who he was to something completely different to who he is now in the Lord. He even gives him a new name. I don't know if you guys know this, but the name Simon means one who hears God. And the name Peter means the rock or the stone. Peter means rock. How interesting is it that Simon, unlike all the other disciples, knows who God is, knows who Christ is. He calls it out. He says, you are Christ, the son of the living God. No other disciple could name it. They thought he was John the Baptist, they thought he was Elijah, they thought he was possibly another prophet. But Simon, a man whose identity tells him like, hey, I'm one who hears God, knows. And because of this, Jesus says to him, he speaks identity to him and, he, and he's like, hey, Simon, son of Jonah, I'm now calling you Peter and you are the rock on which my church will be built and the gates of Hades shall not prevail. The power of life and death in the tongue. You see, I was, I was thinking about this last night as, as I was just praying and preparing for today. Do you realize that at that point in time that Peter or Simon, the disciples, they weren't actually, they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. They weren't actually saved like we are today. Apart from the physical connection to Jesus, they didn't have the open line of communication that we have to the Father. And he's a man who, who doesn't have that and he, he's able to distinguish. He, Jesus says to him, Blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And it got me thinking, what are the things that we've heard God say about us? Or what are the things that we've heard God say about the things around us? Maybe they're things that we've forgotten. Maybe they're things that have altered the course of our life. Maybe, maybe they're things that we, we hold on to and, and we're, we're praying into, but maybe we haven't seen it come through yet. You know, I remember when I was in first year, I, I applied for a, a missions trip. Oh, sorry, for those of you who don't know, I, I've recently just come back from uh, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry in the US. It's a Bible college and I, I did all three years there. And when I was in my first year there, I applied for a missions trip because all the students in school have to go on a missions trip. And so I applied for a missions trip to go to the country of Haiti. And I applied for this trip because two years prior, sorry, a year prior in YWAM, I also did YWAM, I 
had a dream and I was reading about a book about Haiti at the time and I had a dream where I saw myself ministering to the people of Haiti and, and I knew that I was meant to go to Haiti at some point in my life. And so when first year came around in BSSM and Haiti was a trip, I was like, that's my trip. Like I'm going to Haiti. And so I applied and there's about two and a half thousand students that all apply for mission trips. So it takes about two or three weeks to like put people in teams and all that kind of stuff. And I remember I got the email uh, a couple of weeks later saying, congratulations, you've been accepted to Haiti. Now at the time, the person who was leading the trip to Haiti was also my pastor within BSSM. And I had a meeting with her on the day that I was accepted onto this trip in Haiti. And, um, oh man, I'm already going to cry. I'm not even at the point yet. Um, and so I'm having this meeting with her and it's, it's early on in the BSSM year, you know, and, and I'm, I'm figuring things out. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm questioning things with God. I, I'm not in the healthiest place ever. And we're having this meeting and, and in this meeting, she's counseling me and talking to me and mentoring me. And it got to the end of the meeting and we hadn't talked about Haiti yet. And she's like, oh, by the way, congratulations. Like, welcome to the team. Like, I'm so excited, like, that you're coming with me to Haiti. When you saw your name, I just knew I had to pick you. Um, and in that moment, I felt like God told me to ask her a question. And I asked her a question. Marlene was her name. I, and, and I called her mum. So I said, mum, why, why did you pick me to go to Haiti? And oh, she looked me straight up and down. And she said, like, Nathan, I picked you to go to Haiti because... I look at who you are now and I know in six months time that you are not going to be this person and I know who the Lord is calling you to be and I need who the Lord has called you to be on that trip with me. Not who you are now, but who you are going to be needs to be on that trip with me and so that's why I picked you. And I remember in that moment, there was a a part of my heart and, and still to this day, I obviously get choked up about it but there was a part of my heart that, that came into alignment with God, who, with who God says I am. From that moment, that was, that was a moment for me that is, is going to mark me for the rest of my life. My, a moment much like Peter had here, where Jesus says to him, hey mate, like, I see who you are and I love who you are and I know who you are. Because at this point, Peter and Jesus had been journeying with each other for a long time. So, so, so Simon Peter and sorry, so Simon Peter and Jesus were well acquainted with each other at this point. And he says, "Hey, mate, I see who you are now, but this is let, let me tell you who you're going to be." And it changed the course of his life. Maybe there are some of you here today who haven't had that experience before. Maybe there are some of you who are like, "Man, I just don't know. Like, I just don't know God. Like, I, I think this is who I am." But, but I don't know. Part one is I really feel like there's an invitation today for, for people in this room, if you, if you haven't experienced that from the Lord before, that, that you in this room today will experience that. I'm believing that some people's lives, that the, the course and the destiny and the history of your life could, could possibly be changed today. If you want to turn to John chapter 10. Once again, I'm, I'm going to read this really well-known scripture. It's a passage about the good shepherd. One of my favorite passages in the Bible. And I, and I, really, I, I really felt like God gave me um, some really fresh revelation of, of what this passage can mean for us. Before we read it though, I just want you to, to look and read through this passage through the lens of that life and death are in the power of the tongue. 
So, so filter this passage through that thinking. We're going to start in verse 1, and it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and to, the, to, to the sheep, they hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Do you see what I'm trying to do here? Do you see what the Lord is saying in this passage? Jesus used this illustration but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. And then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep and all whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, kill and to destroy. And I've come that they may have life and that they may have life abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives life to his sheep. The good shepherd gives life to his sheep. How does he give them life, you might ask? Because he calls them his own by their name. And the sheep, his sheep know his voice. His sheep know his voice. And if stranger tries to lead them off into a distant pasture, they will flee from the stranger because they do not know the stranger's voice. The power of life and death are in the tongue. The thief comes to steal, kill, destroy, but I have come so that you may have life and life abundantly. The power and life of death are in the tongue. What voice, whose voice are you listening to? You see, a big part of commission, I believe, is to, yes, we need to be externally focused. You know, it, it says, like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. We have to be externally focused. However, our source, and we can only love as great as we love ourselves. How do we, how do we increase his love in our life? How do we increase his life in our life? By knowing his voice by following his voice, by following his leading in and out of the door into pastures. Whose voice are you listening to? Whose voice are you listening to? You know, I was thinking about sheep this morning and I was thinking about it. Sheep are like pretty defenseless animals. Have you ever thought about it? Like not once have I ever seen a sheep do any damage to another animal. Like it's usually always a sheep that's getting eaten by a bear, getting eaten by a lion, getting attacked by, I don't know, a coyote or a wolf or something like that. Sheep are like pretty defenseless animals, much, much like we're meant to be. You see, we're not meant to do things out of our own strength, but it's his strength in us. It's him fighting for us. It's him already having won the battle 2000 years ago on the cross that enables us to walk in victory today. It's not our fight that we won. It's not our battle that we won. It's not our victory. It's his. Because we are his sheep. We are, we are called to be defenseless, to be surrendered. 
And this is why I've been reading my Bible a lot this week, because, you know, life and death is in the power of the tongue. This is the, the living, breathing Word of God. This is the Logos Word of God. You know, in John 1, it says, in the beginning, there was a Word. Jesus is the Logos Word of God. This is the Logos Word of God. This is Him living and breathing. And so, if I'm consuming this on a daily, multiple times a day basis, life and life abundant. If you want to go, move over to chapter 11 in John, well, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the full story of Lazarus, but I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit and I'm going to just, we're going to tell the story of Lazarus for those who don't know. But um, just before we get started, I, on, on, sorry, on this Lazarus portion, I was praying and I felt like when, when I was just praying and thinking about, you know, the power of word is in the tongue and the power of life and death and, you know, uh, just about what it means to, to see life happen in the scenarios around us. So often we can talk to or talk about the mountains and the circumstances in our life. So often we can contemplate, complain, be annoyed at, be frustrated by, the things that aren't going right. That's real. Like, let's be real. Like, there are, there are things that are broken in this world. We live in a broken world. There are things that aren't great in this world. And so often the posture of our hearts can be to complain and to be upset and to be annoyed by those things. But I believe that we're not just called to talk about our mountains. I believe we're called and we're actually told and commanded to tell those mountains to move. I think we spend so much time and we can get so caught up in talking about the things that are stopping us in life rather than just declaring in faith, like, hey, I have the Spirit of God in me, so mountain, move. Troubles, leave. Pain, go. Healing in Jesus' name. I think that's the gospel that I know. And so I want want to read this story about Lazarus. I want to look at how Jesus does it. Because he is the ultimate model. I mean, he is the son of God. So we're meant to live our lives as, as, as much as we can like he does. And so like, let's look at this story about Lazarus through the lens of Jesus. And so we're going we're gonna to kind of jump around in here a little bit. But just to kind of paraphrase and tell the story. Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick. He hears that he's not doing well. Mary and Martha have sent word to Jesus and Lazarus is sick. He's not doing well. It's not looking good. And we're going to pick it up here in uh, verse 7. It says, Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you and you were going there again? And Jesus answered them, Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, does he he does not stumble, but because he sees the light. But if anyone walks in the nighttime, he stumbles because the light is not upon him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. And then his disciples said to him, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about talking taking a rest in sleep. And then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. 
And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. And if you want to scroll down here, let's go to verse 21, because this is real. Verse 21 says, Now Martha said to Jesus, O Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. O Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Let's just pause there for a second, because I think that is our stance a lot of the time with the scenarios and the circumstances in our life. Oh God, if only you had come through when I asked you to come through, maybe this scenario would have turned out good. Lord, if, if you had just made the umpire not pay that free kick, maybe Collingwood would have won the grand final last year. That was a real cry of my heart. Like dead set, in tears, on my knees, after watching Collingwood lose a grand final. God, why did that umpire pay a free kick? That was not a free kick. If only you had told him not to do it, we would be premiers. Is it not fair though? Are there not scenarios, are there not things in your life where you're like, oh God, if only, if only you had done it when I said you should do it, then it would have worked out the way I wanted it to and everyone can be happy as Larry and yay, God. I really can relate to Martha here. I can relate to her questioning. I can relate to her lack of understanding of the scenario. It's fair. It's fair. And I guarantee that for those of you who are going on camp, I mean, this is my first camp, but for those of us that are going on camp, there are probably going to be times when we're like, God, like if only you came through in this way. God, if only you showed up in this kid's life. God, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't understand. That's real, guys. It's real. Let's go to verse 24. Actually, no, sorry, verse 22. I jumped too ahead. I love the the difference in heart posture towards the Lord in these two verses. Because in in verse 21, Martha's saying to God, to Jesus, sorry, Lord, if only you had been there, my brother would not have died. And then immediately afterwards, she says, but even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. You see, I don't think it's bad that we are upset. I don't think it's actually bad that we don't have understanding. I don't think it's bad that we grieve bad scenarios in our life. Like we look at this passage and and we, we read throughout scripture that God doesn't condemn us for experiencing pain. He doesn't condemn us for being upset or being sad. There's grace for us in those moments. But what he doesn't do is he doesn't allow us to sit there. You see, because we believe in a God of hope, or at least I I believe in a God of hope. I believe in a God that never fails. And I'm sure you do too. But but we see here that, that Martha knows, like, hey, Jesus, I know anything you ask of God, he will do it for you. And then Jesus replies to her, Jesus replies, your brother will rise again. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she replies, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who has come into this world. It's not bad that we are upset about the mountains, the circumstances in our life. But we can't stay there. We can't stay in hopelessness. We can't stay in disappointment. We can't stay in pain. Because 2,000 years ago, 
on the cross, he died so that we could experience freedom, so that we could experience his love, so that we could experience him, his victory, his hope, his peace. Much like this scenario, and we know what happens in the rest of the story. Jesus tells them to roll back the stone. They roll back the stone. They're worried that it's going to smell because he's been dead for four days. Jesus walks in. He walks to it. And he says, come forth. Two words, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. And obviously Lazarus is raised from the dead. I think the final the final thing that I really just felt like God was showing me through this was that there is no recipe, there is no pattern, there is no method, that we often can put a box, a level of understanding that we have onto the Spirit of God and, and how He works. It doesn't say in Proverbs 18, it doesn't say like death and life in life only in this way, X, Y, Z is in the power of the tongue. It says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I was thinking this week as I was, I was, I was reading through this passage, I was like, man, you know, like what would, ha- what would I do if there was someone who was dead and I felt like God told me to pray for resurrection life? Stuff that I think about. Welcome to my brain. What would I do if there was someone dead in front of me? Would I have the faith, the hope, the belief that God is who he says he is, that I could just say two simple words or three simple words, like Terry, come forth, whoever it may be. Would I have the faith? See, that breaks, that breaks a lot of boxes in my mind because in my mind, I imagine laboring on my knees, crying out, God, would you raise them from the dead? Would your spirit come inside of them? Blah, 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 blah. Box, condition, has to be this method, has to be this way. Hang on a second. How does Jesus do it? You know, there were times where people would touch his garment and they were healed. There were times where he would say, get up and walk. Your sins have been forgiven. There were times he would say, be healed. There were times he would say, come forth. There were times he would say, wake up. There's no method to life and life abundant. All there is is intimacy and knowledge. Intimacy to know the shepherd's voice, to know the life in his voice. You see, Jesus only did what he saw his father do. He only did what he saw his father do. And so we will follow, we will learn, we will be guided, not by our own strength, because we're just sheep. We're just a bunch of sheep that don't have any horns, that don't have any claws, that have teeth that are good for chewing grass. That's about it. We're a bunch of sheep, guys, in a really good way. This is a really good thing. We're a bunch of sheep that are charged, that are commanded, that are encouraged to know the voice of the good shepherd. And the only way you can know the voice of the good shepherd is if you've known and experienced him calling you by your own name, just like Peter. You are now Peter, the rock. So I, I, I want to pray for two different groups of people this morning. As I said before, I feel like there are some of you here that may not have heard the Lord call your name. Maybe you heard it 20 years ago and it's been a bit dead since then. 
Maybe you heard it last week, but you're still not sure. Maybe you've never heard it before. Maybe you've never felt the, the, the Spirit of God come upon you and, and say like, hey, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. Maybe you've heard that and you, want, you walked away. I, I want to pray for you this morning. And we want to pray for you this morning as a family. And, and maybe, maybe you're a bit like Martha. I'm, I'm actually pretty sure everyone in this room is a little bit like, like Martha. Let me correct that. I'm a little bit like Martha. There are things in my life which I'm like, heck, God, I got nothing but you. But you. You know, so we're all a little bit like Martha. And some of us are like Martha and, and we're stuck in that position where we don't see hope, where we don't see good, where we don't see a future, where we don't see his plan for us. And I really feel like God wants to meet you there this morning. And if you're in that third category of like, oh, you know, I, there's this mountain. I'm a little bit like Martha. I don't know where it's going to move, but my hope is on him. My knowledge is on him. My, my, my hope isn't in my result, but it's in his nature. It's in his character. I believe there will be some of you people in, in, in that position this morning. You see, our hope has to be in him. The only way our hope can be in him is if we know his voice. If we know his heart for us if we know that he is good no matter the circumstance, if we know that, that it is who he is, that he is the way maker, that he is the promise keeper, that he is the light in the darkness, that no matter what storm we're going to be in, that we can sing in the middle of the storm, that we raise our hallelujah, that we know he's good, that he's never going to let us down. Our hope isn't in result. Our hope isn't in Him coming through. Our hope is in Him. And that's where I feel like the Lord wants to commission us this morning. That no matter what position you're in, whether you, whether you're, whether you haven't, whether you don't know Him or you don't know His voice, whether you're, you, you have a mountain and you can't see it moving or whether you're in a position where your hope is in Him, I feel like He's commissioning us to know that the power of life and death is in the tongue and that it's His voice, His leading his guiding, it's his life and life abundance that's in us that enables us to move out of each of those scenarios, to move out of each of those situations. So if you'd stand, I, I want to pray for you this morning. Can you jump up on the keys, Rach? Thanks. He doesn't want you to, his desire for you is to, to not suffer. His desire for you isn't to, to stay in a, in a point of pain or a point of confusion. It's not for you to, to be stuck by a mountain. That's not how he intended it, guys. I believe wholeheartedly that's not how he intended it. So I just want you to close your eyes for a second. Just close your eyes and if you're in that first category, if you're, if, if you don't know his voice, maybe if you've forgotten his voice, maybe if you, you've been led astray from his voice, 
however you got there. He's inviting you back this morning. He's inviting you to experience him and to experience his love, his voice, his heart for you. So with every eye closed, if if you're one of those people, I, I would just ask that you, and if you feel it in your chest and your heart's just beating, I would just ask that, could you raise your hand? just between you and God there's no shame there's no condemnation it's just between you and God maybe you're one of those people that are in the the second category maybe you're just in a situation or a scenario where you're like God Where are you? I don't see you. I can't hear you. I don't know your lead. I don't know where you are. This sucks. It's hard. I'm in pain. God, I'm hurt. With every eye closed, if that's you this morning, I just I I would ask you to raise your hand. There's hope for you this morning. There's life for you this morning. His voice is here for you today. Maybe you're in the third group of people. Maybe you're, you've got mountains in your life. This should be everyone, by the way. Maybe you've got mountains in your life and you're like, God, I don't know how this is going to happen, but my hope is in you. My trust is in you. If that's you, could you just raise your hand this morning? stick out your hands just into a posture to receive just in front of you I just I feel like actually no I believe I know that God is going to meet some of you now that he's going to meet you right where you need right where he knows you need Holy Spirit, will you just come right now? Would you call us by name? Would you call us by name? We welcome you into our hearts, into our minds, into our souls, into our bodies. Jesus, we welcome you into our hearts. We open up our hearts again. Even if they were never closed, we just open our hearts up wider and greater to you this morning. God, we put our hope and our trust in you. You are the way maker. 
You are the promise keeper. You are the light in the darkness. And God, even when we don't see it, we don't feel it, we know that you are working. So I just speak to every mountain in the room, every trouble, every circumstance, every scenario. We just speak to it and we say, move in the name of Jesus. Move in the name of Jesus. God, I just pray that right now that you're, you would just come and inhabit us. God, that we would hear your voice so clear, that we would know your heart so clear, that we would experience your leading and guiding in every area of our lives in a way that we've never experienced before. God, we just pray that for the people that are going on camp, myself included, Lord, that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that we would know your voice above every other voice. In the name of Jesus, we just silence any other voice, any other shepherd, anything that may have come into your life that could be leading you astray. We just silence that right now in the name of Jesus. And we declare that the only voice you will hear is that of the good shepherd. That of the good shepherd. Thank you, God. If you guys want to just take your seat.